spite is as good a reason as any. A Sandman Potfic, part one of the reasons verse. Written by Blue Sunshine and read by Literarian. Chapter 5 Johanna is aware that the state of her flat is certainly something. Walls stacked with shelves stacked with stuff. Not all of it is work-related. There are photo frames and cheap paperbacks and knickknacks all buried in amongst the rest. Textbooks from her master's degree she never finished. Trophies from her childhood. A few dead plant pots too, probably. Well, it's no castle, she remarks flatly, twisting her keys in hand as she shuffles in with her guest to ward off any unwanted commentary. Castles are drafty, Hob quips back with a smile. Hands shoved in his jacket pockets, eyes gleaming about like this is all some interesting expedition. And bloody difficult to maintain. Floors were forever cold too. You know you can get heated flooring now. That's brilliant. Heated just about everything. Hot water on demand, heated beds, heated blankets, heated mirrors. Heated car seats. That's just indulgent. Johanna eyes him, pulling an odd smile and tossing her jacket over a chair. You really find it all fascinating, don't you? He beams at her. Why not? It's marvelous. I've gone from sleeping in literal pigsties to sleeping on feather beds and now even a pauper can have, what do they call it, memory foam. He snaps his fingers. Fit for the queen, that is. His grin gets even wider, looking back at her, a strange tilt to his eyes. Johanna tenses up. What? she demands. You know, he says, all these years and I've never just been able to say it. Speak of it, not to anyone but him. Not since I lost my wife and son, at least, and even to them, it was just stories. It wasn't what I'd lived. I'd never have been able to explain it without sounding mad. Johanna swallows, feeling a bit awkward around feelings whose depths she can barely understand, even when he's just skimming the surface of them off for her to catch a glimpse of. That was a hell of an admission, packed with more facts than she neither needed nor wanted. That's why he means so much to you, isn't it? She deflected. Your Sandman. Sounds a bit shallow when you put it like that. Gatling remarks with a huff, sounding sad. Oh God, she doesn't want to deal with sad. If she has to deal with sad, she's upping her fee. Exponentially. Right then, she declares. She clears her throat and looks around and winces a bit. I have no idea which one of these the purse is in. 
She gestures to her stacks and her piles and the cluttered mess that makes up her flat. That makes up her life, really. Gatling blinks, swallowing down into his introspection, and then eyes her hesitantly, hands still in his pockets. The purse you thought might be cursed, he says. Yeah, what of it? Cursed, he repeats, looking her in the eyes with some significance. I've got loads of cursed stuff, Johanna shrugs, and then it occurs to her. Oh, yeah, be a bit careful going through all that. You want coffee? Gin? You seem like somebody that drinks gin. I don't drink so much these days. He shakes his head, declining her offer to peruse her living room. Should I be worried about disorganizing anything? He queries. Johanna scoffs, rifling through her kitchen and feeling a bit glum that he declined the gin. She wasn't such a lush that she was just going to go at it herself, not alone in her apartment with a stranger. So, she scrounges up some paper packets of tea and gives it a sniff, making sure it's something like lemon and ginger and not something like valerian and burdock root and graveyard poppy. Wouldn't be the first time she'd accidentally poisoned a friend. Not that Gatling is a friend. Can't get more disorganized than it is. Johanna shrugs. Johanna Constantine's flat is a trove of unexpected treasures and the macabre and the strangest of volumes. Hob is enthralled, in the same way he gets enthralled in exploring new museums, laughing at the incorrect presumptions and sighing at what they discovered of the world of the past that he could have experienced firsthand but had missed by sheer dint of being unable to be everywhere in it all at once. It takes effort not to get distracted with strange tomes and intricate, puzzling objects and random photographs. He takes Miss Constantine at her word that some of these things are in fact cursed with all that might entail and proceeds with caution, piling photographs with photographs and books with books and artefacts with artefacts as he goes, so he knows at least where he's been so far and where he hasn't. The paperwork he finds he hands over to Miss Constantine herself, who is looking for the provenance that came from the estate sale, which would tell her the pouch's known history and hopefully aid them in tracking down the man who had originally possessed it. It's a surprisingly amicable way to spend the night. And they do, as it happens, sipping on cheap tea and turning over heaps of clutter and occasionally tossing out a bit of commentary, yawning and refusing to nod off. You have quite the collection of rosaries, Hop remarks, finding perhaps his tenth in an hour and setting it with the others. She doesn't even glance at him, shuffling through a folder herself. 
Yeah, I'm always losing those. He dredges up a small collection of cracked handheld mirrors to... and just sort of gives her a look. Exorcisms, she shrugs. That's bad luck, Hop huffs. Breaking mirrors. Mine can't really get worse, Constantine replies, ruffled and aloof about it. Hop just hums and then starts humming under his breath until he yawns again and something else piques his interest. She slaps a file down at one point with a gritty sigh and peers at him with a faint frown. Why every hundred years? You and this bloke. Hop is, at the moment, nudging a ring that definitely looks cursed into his looks-cursed pile with the butt-end of a pen. That was the promise, he says. That every hundred years we'd meet where we had first met and I'd tell him about life. Why? Hop cracks a rueful laugh. <laughs> Hell if I really know. He said he wanted to see if a mortal man would really want to live forever. So every hundred years we'd meet and he would ask me if I wanted to keep living. She gopes at him. So you just said yes and you got to keep living for another hundred years? Like a bloody subscription. Hop laughs, scratching at his stubble. <laughs> I suppose so. Damn. She whistles. Then what about the last time then? Said you had a tiff and he just didn't cancel it on you? God, I thought he might have. Hob cracks a little. He hadn't been afraid, really, not in the way mortal men fear death. He'd been anxious, mostly, and perhaps a part of him resigned to have lived his living out. He'd got on better than most, really, so who was he to complain after seven centuries? Maybe he woke in a cold sweat sometimes. Maybe he dreamed of dying, reliving all those blows that could have killed him, should have killed him, and didn't, but... Took a wait to figure that one out. But he didn't. Bloody bastard just didn't show. Yeah, but why? Johanna presses. If it's all just some weird curiosity to him. Hop swallows a bitterness in his throat. Well, because I don't think it is all about that anymore. He had to know my answer was never going to change, not after six bloody centuries, and I told him so. I... I made the presumption that perhaps we kept meeting up because he might actually consider me a friend, that he might actually deign to find some enjoyment in my company, and he didn't like that. Miss Johanna Constantine stares at him for a long moment, her eyes liquid in the dark of a room lit only by a pair of lamps. So he really is all as dark and broody as his appearance suggests, then? She proposes, suddenly out with a wicked smile, and Hop cracks again, laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really is, Hop exclaims. 
Man liked to keep himself mysterious, that's for sure, but the gall of storming out like that! What a bastard! Probably means it was true, then, Johanna muses. Probably off sulking somewhere about how to handle his feelings. You think he'd have figured it out, though, after what? A hundred and twenty years? Well, we've known each other for six centuries, and it probably says something that he still hadn't managed to offer me a proper introduction. God, he's my ageless bloody companion, and I don't even know his name. That's just rude at this point. Maybe you work too fast. Johanna drawls, teasing. He hadn't even gotten around to introductions, and there you were, declaring him your dearest companion. That is not what I said, Hop retorts. I just... it gets lonely, and he's been at it longer than me. Why show such curiosity at all if he was to remain forever indifferent? She peers at him again, cheek pinched. You sound worried. She remarks. Hobbs plays his hands in a helpless gesture. A man cares, does he not? She tips her head. But that's the thing, isn't it? He's not really a man. Hop huffs. Like I give a damn. He doesn't. Whatever his friend is, he doesn't care. He used to, those first few centuries spent wandering. The first century the most so fearful he'd struck some unholy bargain. But their third meeting, after that century of hell on earth, he had been not indifferent to Hop's misery. He hadn't been smug, nor disgusted, nor pitying. But he had been something quite close to gentle when he'd asked that year if Hop still wanted to live. And he'd looked pleasantly surprised at Hop's response, as if it were wondrous somehow. And it seemed to matter less the what of him compared to the burning wist to simply know him. Another century then. Surely he hadn't imagined those small smiles, nor the chilliness with which he had advised Hop away from any venture involving slavery, a cold crack in a facade of otherness, revealing yet again that he was not utterly indifferent. Even so, cautioning Hop to be careful of harm and capture. He did care. He must have. Johanna smirks at him a little. That's on you, Hob. Clearly, <laughs> he huffs. Then he brightens. Are you calling me Hob now? It's your name, isn't it? She grumbles out. Johanna, he tries it out, grinning. She rolls her eyes and gives him an impeccably peevish look, drawling. You do work too fast. Life goes by quick, Hop gaffs, shaking his head at her taunting. It all goes by so quick. 
I know better by now than to miss my chances to make friends. You could have better taste in them, she huffs, but she seems a little pleased and a little uncertain about that, and then made grumpy by her own uncertainty and her own pleasure. People are fascinating, Hop thinks. He never gets tired of them.